This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We just had a show putting challenge during the break. It went very well for all involved. We did see a putt get sliced for the first time ever. I've never seen it before. I know you could. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you who sliced the putt. But in a way that I didn't know was possible. Now, again, think about a putter yep. and a putting green uh-huh. and a ball being whacked, but then the ball going directly sideways, like more than once. Uh-huh. More, more than once. I've never golfed before, the person said. Could have fooled me. Good intro song, Darius, by the way. Thanks for coming back. Darius has a good song. Good choice. job, Darius. Uh, Darius Dameron. Darius. Ryan Claren, the production. Darius. We're GND. You are listening to the fan. Let's go to the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Our buddy John Olrand, media reporter, sports business journal, joins us now. John, it's been a while. Thanks for jumping on the show. How are you? Yeah, it's been too long. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure, buddy. We got a lot of things we want to ask you about on the sports media front, but a little bit off the beaten path. I've seen you kind of reacting or tweeting occasionally. I just want to get your thoughts as someone who, who follows sports and business of What's going on here with the commanders and, and the sale and what Dan Snyder apparently wants for the team based on what the, the Broncos got? What do you make of all this? Yeah, I've long been a real skeptic that uh, Snyder was going to sell. Uh, I, I just uh, I just got this feeling like he's owned this team since 1999, and at every point he's come to a fork in the road where he can make a logical move or an illogical move. He always seems to take the illogical move. Uh, it, it, and it just seemed to me that it was sort of kicking the can down the road. I started to change that, though, when I saw that Jeff Bezos hired uh, Allen and Company as a banker uh, to, to start to explore things. And I don't know what the path will be, but I find it very difficult to believe that he would start that process without having some sort of roadmap to, uh, to where it goes, whether that means uh, uh, owning the commanders or, or just getting involved to owning another uh, football team that comes up for sale. I think the Seahawks are coming up in a, in a couple in a year or two or something along those lines. 
that to me is something that made me arch my eyebrows and finally say, wow, something really actually might be real here. John, I think the NFL is kind of its own animal. We see the TV ratings. They set every record of the 100 biggest per year. It's like 96, 97 of them are football games. So can I put them aside uh, for a second? Because I, I think people unfairly compare other sports and their coverage to them. In terms of game broadcast for things like baseball, basketball, hockey, are we at a crossroads? Um, we're at a crossroads for some. I, so I, I'm, I'm going to give you the glass half full for baseball because everybody looks at baseball and says, like, you know, it's too old. The, the, the national ratings aren't doing well. But, you know, baseball has a really amazing local media story to tell. And if you go into any market, uh, when the Nationals play in the D.C. market, even if the Nationals are as bad as they were last season, they're going to be within the D.C. market – one of the top two, maybe three uh, shows of the night in that market consistently. Uh, and, and, and if you add up uh, 162 games of that, you know, that, that becomes a, a pretty good story to tell. People look nationally and, and see that the national games of the week aren't doing well on, uh, on uh, Sunday night baseball and Fox has uh, on ESPN and Fox has uh, Saturday afternoon baseball. World Series ratings are always sort of uh, flirting with lowest ever numbers, but they the, the local story that uh, baseball has to tell is really really good. And then you have uh, the, the other one out there is basketball. The NBA is uh, they're coming up on a on a um, their rights deal is coming up, so there's going to be this huge uh, negotiation between Turner, ESPN, NBC has said that it wants to get in on it. Apple, Amazon, maybe Google, they're going to make a ton, uh, not necessarily because they bring in a, a huge audience, but the audience they bring in, it's this young, male-dominated audience that advertisers really want to hit. So it's a, it, it is a, 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 something that really works. Where, where you're seeing some of this uh, decay from, come from is it, it's what I sort of call the haves and the have-nots. And I think that you're, you're seeing uh, Major League Soccer that fell on the on the wrong side of that uh, have and have nots, and all of all, even though it ended up with a pretty nice deal with Apple, all the major TV uh, stations uh, or companies said that they didn't want it. I think we're seeing that right now with the Pac-12. It looks like they're uh, one of the have nots as well. And the the, the big question uh, out there, and the the, the story that I'm uh, covering really hard is who's in the haves, uh, basketball and baseball and football obviously are, and who's, who's in the have-nots and where that line sort of ends up being drawn. John O'Rand of Sports Business Journal. The RSN implosion as it pertains to, to Bally and baseball, can you explain this and, and dumb it down for me? Because th there is this possibility, I guess, that Major League Baseball would take over the presentation of the games, and that could be a game-changer. Can you just explain what's going on there? Yeah, we call it RSN Armageddon uh, on, on, on our, our podcast. It's uh, basically what's happening right now is the way that you're going to uh, watch local games is going to change so radically within the next uh, – we don't know what the time frame is, but like the next five years or so. Uh, the idea of a, a regional sports network, just a, you know, a, a general local channel that, cover, that carries sports – that that that's sort of that looks like it's going away, and and they're they're going to be different ways for you to uh, to watch a game. So, 
you mentioned Valley Sports. They have the rights, I think it's to 14 uh, Major League Baseball teams. Uh, they're going into bankruptcy within the next two weeks. That's almost certain to happen. Uh, and so baseball's waiting to see which one, which ones of those rights they can get back. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, they own uh, the baseball rights to three teams, the Astros, the Pirates, and the Rockies. Uh, they've already said like we're not we're shutting down as you know soon after May 30 uh, March 31st so uh, within th- this spring they're going to shut down so baseball is getting back those rights and so it's going to be a multi-year um, uh, plan here but baseball methodically is going to start to bring back all of these rights they've started hiring producers local producers and and uh, executives that are really steeped in uh, in the RSN business. And they're just going to start to come out with something where you can stream, uh, something where you, uh, po- possibly they're, they're negotiating with you know, Xfinity to try to get not a regional sports network, but, hey, just show our game and uh, pre- and post-game show on, on whatever channel you, you might have available. And we're, we're getting ready to see that move forward. And the best news about that is that uh, the local blackouts almost certainly in baseball are going to go away. So fans are going to love that. So how would that differ, John? Sorry, I'm just, this is the part I can never quite figure out. How would that differ from, like, I have extra innings as an example. through, And I just watch all the games online or I can, you know, put them on my TV or whatever. Now, they're obviously produced by those networks, and now it would be MLB. But, like, what would actually change for me as a consumer at that point? You would be able to buy an extra innings type of package and see the Orioles and the Nationals uh, within the D.C. market. Because currently... I don't believe that you'll be you're able to see those local game uh, local games there. That's you're correct. That's I right. Can, yeah. I can listen to the Orioles. I don't even know. Maybe I could listen to the Nats. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You cannot watch those games locally. And so they're getting rid of that blackout. So so basically, if you're a, if you're a baseball fan in DC, you know there are going to be more people watching the watching the Nationals or buying those those National games. Uh, but if you're a Red Sox fan, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing. You're just a, a local baseball fan, and you just want to uh, w- watch whatever baseball uh, channel there's going to be, or baseball game there is. John O'Ran with us here, Sports Business Journal, on Grant and Danny. So for, as, as a you know person that wants Nationals games unfettered here on television all the time and wants this team sold and the big hang-up is Masson, how does that affect potentially Masson down the road or, or, or somebody here that that kind of idea of direct-to-consumer streaming or not even a network, just the teams themselves controlling the games? Hey, can, can you tell I love talking about this stuff? Yes. I, I think all my answers are going out of 10, not 10 minutes long, so I apologize for that. Don't you dare apologize uh, to hey, me, John O'Reilly. This is why we came to you. We're, we're super interested, <laughs> and we don't know what, what's happening, so – that's why we came uh, and when it comes to Masson, I don't know what's happening, and and Rob Manfred doesn't know what's happening, and uh, and the people that are trying to buy the uh, the the Nats, the Nats are still for sale, and and the Orioles are so, sort of it seems like they're softly for sale, you know, they, they'll they'll take an offer. Um, the the the, the Masson problem is uh, and and how that resolves itself is a big question mark, and. Yeah, it, we're talking about the implosion. I, I mentioned RSN Armageddon and the implosion of the RSNs. Well, you know, the Bally Sports RSNs, that's unique to Bally Sports. That, that company, Diamond Sports Network, they have $8 billion in debt, billion with a B. Uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, their RSNs, they couldn't make any money off of it. They, they, they were in debt with those RSNs. 
a lot of these uh, team RSNs, like the Yankees, or the Yes Network in uh, New York, or the Dodgers, or the Cubs, or the uh, Nesson Red Sox up in Boston, like the biggest brands in, the, in, in baseball and the biggest markets in baseball, they're still doing okay. Uh, NBC Sports Network, they, they own a bunch of regional sports networks um, across the country. They're still profitable for them. So they're less profitable than they were a year ago and certainly a lot less profitable than they were five years ago. Uh, so you see where the trend line is going. But it, 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 the, the, the implosion is not going to happen all at once. It's just happening all at once for the, the, the biggest purveyor of regional sports networks in the country. So this is kind of related to what you were just saying, but, but more detailed maybe and, and to kind of a direct point, which is, why are these locals, like whatever one you want to pick, Fox Sports Ohio, NBC Sports Washington, or MSE now, um, you know, Masson, generally speaking, you're saying those regional networks are going away just broadly. Why is that happening? Well, that's happening because the, the, the ones that you mentioned, the, the Fox Sports Net, they, they've been branded Bally Sports, and their company is underwater. They, they, but why uh, can't they make money Fox- anymore? Like what has changed in the, in the grand scheme? Uh, so the, the, it, it's an awful business to be in right now because the rights fees that they're paying teams continues to go up every single year, and the number of subscribers that are subscribing to this um, to, to these channels through cable is dropping mm. ten to fifteen percent every year I, I, because of cord cutting. That's unsustainable to happen, uh, and, and so it's still there are still some that are doing okay. But there are others that, that just, like, they have too much debt. The, do you know how much the Pirates uh, make in a rights fee in Pittsburgh? The Pirates, the worst team in, in baseball, they're getting about $60 million a year from AT&T Sportsnet. That, that's a, that's wow. a deal that doesn't make sense to anybody. Their, their, their entire payroll is about $60 million. So it's, it's, uh, they, there are a couple of bad deals. There are uh, headwinds from, from a, a media uh, uh, sort of media trends that that are happening, and they're just companies that are underwater with debt right now. That's an amazing number. It's a staggering number, um, John. I, and I can say from my own experience, the reason I have cable is I sit through it in winter and most of spring, just so that I can watch the Nationals during the summertime. Otherwise, I would I would get rid of it today. But because, as you mentioned, the blackout rules and everything is kind of, you know, you know, not available, I would do something else instantaneously. And you're a 99th percentile fan. So yes. Like the, the 73rd percentile fan has just gotten rid of cable. And just sort of figured it out. Right? Well, they, listen to Charlie and Dave or pirate this bar, or yeah. YouTube that or who knows. So any kind of innovation there where it's direct to consumer is very, very appealing to me. Is there a chance that even some of these RSNs that might survive might also adopt that? Well, what about this thing, John? This is exactly what you're talking about. Did you you saw what MSG's doing? That's where I'm going. Yeah, so MSG, you can explain it better than I can, John, but they're basically doing a bundle for all their teams where it's like I would think, you tell me if I'm wrong, it's like an app like Apple Plus or Peacock or something that I could go to on my smart TV and I just pay by month or by year and MSG will present all the games for me and maybe pre and post shows or something. Is that right? Yeah, you you got that exactly. It's direct to consumer. And so the question that, that you're going to have to ask yourself, if you're a Nationals fan and the Nationals are not supposed to have a good season this season, they're, they're supposed to be uh, among, among the bottom of the NLEs. So are you going to subscribe for $30 a month to watch that team that's not going to be very good? Uh, for, uh, or, or let's say for uh, $30 a month, and that's sort of the price that all, uh, everybody's come to, 
let's say the Nationals are 20 games out by the All-Star break. Are you going to continue that through, you know, July, August, and September? I'm, I'm asking this as a lifelong Oriole fan. I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have paid to watch your Orioles for the last 10 years. I will this year. They're going to be good. But it's, it, it's a, uh, it, it, you know, they're, they're pricing it right now to get hardcore, rabid fans that I assume are is your listener base, and I assume it's you. Well, I, I can tell it's you already. Uh, the, the, the big question is whether they're going to be able to get in a lot more of these casual fans. And it, it's, I, I don't think it's actually a question. I, I, I think it's highly unlikely that casual fans are going to be hmm. willing to, uh, to, to pay that. I, I mean, that MSG one, $10 a game if you want to get it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to sound way too old, but I used to buy tickets for $10 a yeah, game. No, yeah, on. that's an absurd amount. Wait, 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 so you mean a la carte. Like, you could obviously do a deal for the year where it doesn't average out. You're saying if you want one game, they would charge nine ninety nine for it or something? Yeah, if, you, if, if it's a Friday night and, the, you know, they're playing LeBron and the Lakers. Yeah, wow. I want that one. That'll be like 10 bucks. So would they, and, and maybe this isn't known, would they have shoulder programming in like a 24-7? Would they have live shows and things that is always streaming on the app. Obviously, you'd have archived like Q&As and interviews and whatnot, I'm sure, as if your landing page for ESPN Plus gives you all the docs and whatever. But would they have – is it just they go live at 640 with a 20-minute pregame, game time, and it's over? Or what are we talking about in terms of added content? Yeah, they might have batting practice. Uh, they might have like a, a documentary to go into. But – I've been covering this business for like, you know, three decades and RSNs. Do you remember the best damn sports show ever on Fox Sports? Oh, of sports? course, yeah. Fox Sports, Tom Arnold they and Chris Rose. They couldn't make any money off that. All these RSNs are always like, well, we have these big ratings during the games. If we can get shoulder programming to surround it, boy, it won't be a really good network. Nobody sticks around for that. Nobody does. People come in. They watch the games. If their team wins, they stay for the uh, for the post game show, and then they get out. And so it's a uh, uh, it's highly unlikely that anybody's going to spend any kind of money that's going to draw me to uh, to, to watch this uh, on uh, uh, beyond just the games. John, can I sneak in one here about uh, the XFL? I saw TV ratings maybe weren't exactly where they wanted it for for week two, roughly fifty percent, I think, of week one. I just I'm fascinated with with that part of it in terms of the survivability or that's not the right word viability uh, of, of a league with that kind of big TV revenue. What do they need to kind of keep going? Is this good enough as it is? What are they hoping for? Walk us through it. Uh, yeah, so the TV ratings right now, it, 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 the thing about uh, spring football, it's a good TV sport, and they get that the, the uh, DC I think were the, were the defenders, right? Yeah. They just played against Las Vegas on FX. Who goes to FX anymore, especially to see sports? And they got nearly 700,000 viewers. That's a pretty significant uh, a number of people to watch a no-name, uh, a no-name game. So as, as far as a TV sport, it brings in viewers and it's doing well. But in order to actually launch a league, the league has to make money. And so you have to get paying fans. And uh, D.C. actually uh, showed well, I think, in, in, in week one. But uh, most of the league didn't do all that well. You have to get sponsors that buy in. You have to get, you know, um, uh, you know, just the, the, there are all these different revenue opportunities that come in, you know, merchandise and selling stuff at the, at, at the stadiums. And right now for spring football, that is that that is not really working that well. That's why when Fox did the USFL last season, they only did it in one market because they were like, we're going to try to cut down 
all of these other expenses, including the expenses of travel, the expenses of rent to more than just one uh, one, one stadium, and and uh, they were trying to make a better business of that. They're slowly taking the USL, USFL into more markets. The XFL started in all these different markets. And so it's, I'm not really looking at the TV numbers mm. as much as I'm looking at sort of everything else. And if the XFL do- doesn't fill their stadiums, then they're going to be in trouble. John O'Ran of Sports Business Journal. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Hey, anytime, guys. Have a good weekend. Love you too, getting buddy. his insight on some of these uh, things we see that we're you know, fascinated by, but maybe don't have all the info that we need on. I, again, I, that last answer, that perspective, I never would have thought of that. So in other words, like to me, I go TV numbers equals X. That's viability. He's like, no, no, no. That's looking something totally different. The question I think they're going to have is like, let's say it works really well in five of their eight cities. Do you, after this year, just move on and say, okay, these three are out. Let's try these three. That's what the arena league would always do, right? Like they they sort of close up in cities where it wasn't happening. And they were smart. They kept DC in a couple places where folks came out and watched. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Took to the team. But there are, when you watch, a couple places where it's not the same. You're not getting 13,000, 15,000 people in those stadiums. So that's one thing I'll be really curious about as the season goes on. Next, what if the commanders were playing at RFK Stadium's new uh, site in a new stadium five years from now? Just what would a stadium on that site in the city mean to this fan base? We'll try to quantify what a big deal that would be compared to building something in Virginia or Maryland next here on GND. Dmitry Orlov will not stop scoring for the Boston Bruins. Scored again last night. He's got he's averaging like over two points per game since he got there. Super fun. They have, after crushing the Sabres last night, seven to one, gotten to a hundred points faster than any team in NHL history through sixty-one games. Listen to this, Andy. They're forty-eight, eight and five. They have Single digit regulation losses eight. at this point in the year. Over sixty games, eight times they've lost in regulation. Pretty nuts. LeBron James being evaluated, it looks like, three weeks from now. They're going to shut him down. They're going to look into how he's feeling in a little over 20 days. Tendon injury for him. No guarantee that he comes back in three weeks, but that's the earliest he could come back. Lakers are in 11th place. I would say they're in big, big trouble. They are in massive trouble. Again, I, you know, adding D'Angelo Russell, cool. That sounds good in theory. It's all. Is Anthony Davis going to play like Anthony Davis is supposed to play at some point? And now, obviously, LeBron being hurt is killer for them. But it's about Anthony Davis being a consistent superstar. At one point, by the way, a top five player in the NBA. When are we doing that night in, night out? Did you know that the all-time points record in college basketball is on the precipice of being broken? Now, does that guy have another game? He does not, I don't think. So here's how this is going to work. But I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. I just saw this today via Axios. So the all-time record for points... In college basketball, in a career, I'll ask, uh, this is for the people at home in their cars. I'll give you a second. Who holds the record? If you said Pete Maravich. You were correct. You got that. 36-67 points for Pistol Pete. There's a kid named Antoine Davis who plays at a school card called Detroit Mercy. Detroit Mercy. Don't know what that is. He scored 22 points on Thursday. They lost to Youngstown State in the Horizon League quarters. 
So that means their season is over unless they can get into a tournament. Here's the rub. Detroit Mercy is 14-19 and 19 on the year. They needed to win their conference tournament to get to the big tournament. They needed at least one more game for him to get the record because he is, as of right now, after the 22 points, three points behind Pete Maravich. He had a three at the buzzer to try to equal it, and he missed it. Would have been, he's at 36-64, the tying three-pointer. Now, Maravich played 83 college games and averaged 44 points. By the way, he did it in three years because freshmen weren't allowed to play. 44.2 points per game over 83 games. This kid, Antoine Davis, is unbelievable at Detroit Mercy. He averages 25.4, and he has over 144 games. He's been there forever. Uh, what is that, five years of college maybe? Yeah, because COVID year, you get a little extra time. And I'm not taking away from what he's doing. I mean, this is awesome. I really want him to get another game. So the only way this would happen is if they get an invite to the CBI. But the entrance to the CBI have to pay $50,000. So is it, number one, would they get invited sub-500 to the CBI? I don't know how that works. And then number two, would the school be willing to basically write a $50,000 check so that this guy becomes the all-time leading scorer? And to at least the second question I ask rhetorically, I'm going to answer it. They should. They better. That's a great commercial. I've never heard of Detroit Mercy until right now this second. Can you imagine? He'll be on with Van Pelt. He'll be on every show. He'll be all over the place. They'll put him on a Wheaties box. The 50000 should be a no-brainer for them. I just don't know at 14 and 19 if you get into a tournament like the CBI. I don't either. Because it goes NCAA, NIT, you still have to be okay. Is CBI just whoever's left and you could be terrible? I think so. But again, I don't know if they have rules. Like you have to be over 500 or a certain place in your conference. I'll tell you this. If I have a rule, I take – I call who's the best punter? Tressway's the best punter. Let's I, go call, Tressway. I call Tressway, drop him back about, what, 14 yards – Snap it to him and punt that rule out the window. No one's watching the CBI. I would watch the CBI to see if to see this kid do this. Hundred percent. Stop with your rules. Put him in. Put him in the now. Very true. I will one hundred percent. Now after he shatters the record, I, I don't know if I'm going to watch the entire game, but I will tune in to watch him move past these eyeballs in this fat guy's head. Will be watching that kid break Pete Maravich's record. Antoine Davis, Detroit Mercy, three points away. So monitor that over the weekend as we try to figure out who's going to be playing in what tournament. All right, here's your big story in D.C. sports. And this came out via the Post last night. We had Eric Flack on the show earlier today to discuss this. I'm reading from front office sports right now. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell told Muriel Bowser in D.C. that the league supported her efforts to obtain the venue from the federal government. That's for the old RFK site. Goodell wants D.C. to be involved when it comes to a new stadium for the Commanders. Goodell reportedly offered lobbying assistance from the league. The Commanders, of course, played at RFK Stadium for 36 seasons, many of them very successful, illustrious years. All of the great memories that everyone has of this team are from clubs that played their home games at that stadium. They moved to FedEx Field in 1997. So really, I got two questions, and I think the phones are are valuable here to, to get your guys' thoughts. Number one, Quantify, for someone who doesn't quite get it, just how big of a difference and why it would be such a big difference if the commanders went back to the RFK site in the city rather than somewhere to be named later in Virginia or staying at the FedEx site and had 2.0 in Landover, Maryland. That's number one. Number two is, personally, as a fan, what would it mean to you? Would you care? Would it be a game changer? Would you be giddy and elated and you're going to be a season ticket holder? Like, your own experience with this team, your personal relationship with this club, how does it change 
if ultimately, five years from now, this new owner has them playing home games in the brand-new, state-of-the-art, unbelievable indoor facility that is the envy of the league, and it's in Southeast D.C. over at RFK? I didn't know. I didn't know back in the 1990s when this whole thing got started. I didn't, if I'd known, I would have raised a big stink. It wouldn't have mattered because rich people were making decisions that were above my teenage pay grade. But moving out to where they did in Landover, Raljan, whatever it's called, one of the worst decisions anybody's ever made. It wasn't Dan Snyder, by the way. We didn't realize how bad this truly was at the time. It made sense, right? Big stadium, you want more, we'll get more sweet money, it'll, it'll be fine. What a disaster that was. I only got to go to a couple of games. Not because I didn't want to. But because you couldn't, you couldn't get tickets. You had to know somebody who knew somebody who had that hookup. And even still, you're going to pay above face value. I only got to go, I think, in, in years where they weren't great, which was very rare. I went in 88 for a 7-9 team and had the time in my life watching just a bunch of strangers love and, and hug and embrace and high-five in this perfect atmosphere as the whole stadium swayed and rocked together. It was perfect. It was ours. It was a dump. But it was ours. It was the most beautiful thing in the world. Watching that place right on top of you scream at opponents, intimidate them all to hell. Those iconic moments were all there. And we didn't know at the time what this would mean in retrospect. Now that we went and saw what it what could be like somewhere else, bring me back there. Whatever these people have to do, whatever boob on the, on the D.C. City Council can hear me, stop opposing it. Get on board with this. It's perfect. Please let us have it again. Going Please. into the city for a game feels bigger, too. Yeah. It just does, right? Virginia and Maryland kind of battle back and forth. Who deserves it? Should it stay in at FedEx? Hey, we've been driving for a long time from Virginia to Maryland. Time for you to drive here. And Maryland says, if you leave, we're just going to like the Ravens. What if we just put it in D.C. and it was everybody's? I mean, those are the non-emotional kind of reasons why it would make some sense. But I do think that a lot of you guys have a... Uh, emotional reaction to even the idea of a stadium back on the RFK site. And we want to hear from you next on this 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Real quick, this was Eric Flack of Channel 9, their investigative journalist who's uh, been digging on this story on Goodell and Bowser and the meeting that they apparently had, the call that took place. I think it was a meeting that I'm understanding, if I'm understanding it correctly, the mayor sought out. Uh, you know, the NFL commissioner doesn't doesn't make calls. He takes calls. But I think in this case, he did take the call and have the conversation because I think he wanted it made clear that the league does have an interest in keeping the RFK site alive. And to the extent that the NFL, with its incredible lobbying power here in D.C., can help grease the skids with this tricky land issue so that if a D.C. council deal ever did get in place, that you wouldn't then have to start running around the hamster wheel figuring out how to get the land if D.C. council is on board. I think this is thinking by the NFL saying, hey, that's a great site. We want it to be in play. What can we do? How can we use our power, our influence, to make sure we have our ducks in a row if, if D.C. Council ever gets their act together and, and moves forward with a stadium plan. Eric Flack, Channel 9 in town, right here on Grant and Danny earlier today.
What would it mean to you if the Commanders were playing at the old RFK site in their new stadium, and how would that influence your fandom? 800-636-1067. MGM National Harbor listener lines open on Grant and Danny. But I also learned that there are ways around even the chair of D.C. Council. There are ways for a, a majority of, of council members to bring a bill to, to the floor, so to speak, to the full council as an emergency measure. So while Phil Mendelson, if he continues to oppose this and be at odds with the mayor, um, can certainly be an obstacle, it's not – uh, a hard and fast no anymore. If in fact, if in fact, those who who have favored a stadium, the the Kenny McDuffies, the Vince Grays, uh, the Trayon Whites, uh, the Brooke Pintos of the world, if they are able to amass enough of a coalition to say, hey, we want to talk about this. Ran the whole thing. That's my green yeah, song. Right that a boy. I requested this before the show. We're not big uh, music requesters generally, but I was watching Creed 2 last night, and the best scene in Creed 2 is right before his big fight at the end, uh-huh. Drago's kid, and his fiance, who's played by Tessa Thompson, who really sings this in real life, comes out singing this song ahead of him and as part of his entourage. Just a fire scene. It's pretty awesome. By the way, Drago's kid, whatever that actor's name is, please put him in stuff. That dude's swole. With no shirt on. That, that is a yoked man that is intimidating as all hell. And he, he got that. Work. He got these hands. He received my it. Guy, Adonis. I I think he did. He get the smoke or did, you know he didn't. Let's not go there. He didn't. Oh, I don't think we're ready. Did he for want that. the smoke or he wanted the smoke? Okay, but I don't. I don't think we're ready to go there. Okay. Uh, you just heard from Eric Flack coming into the segment from uh, Channel Nine in town that we had on the show earlier today. I'm just thinking about I'm sitting here closing my eyes. This is now the best stadium in the league. You've gone from the 32nd best stadium or however many there are. The 31, 30. A couple teams share a stadium. The worst stadium to maybe the best because it's the newest and it's state of the art and maybe Jeff Bezos built it and it's, you know, robots bring you uh, nachos at your seat. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could just be the best, right? Indoor. We're having a Super Bowl there at some point. But also, I got nothing against Landover, Maryland. I've had a lot of great memories over there. But you've gone from this stadium where it's one of two in the NFL where there is not a bar or restaurant within one mile. It's FedEx Field and wherever the Dolphins play, Hard Rock Stadium or whatever, to... Downtown D.C., RFK site. Yep. Can you imagine? What would it mean to you for them to go back to the site? Is there anybody who doesn't want them to be in the city at the old RFK site? Let's go to the phones, 800-636-1067. Kevin's in Arlington. What's up, buddy? Hey, boys. Let me give you my routine. When they played at RFK in 1991, when I got to go to three games to see the best Redskins team ever, you basically – could walk to a metro station, you metro to Capital South, you go to Bullfeathers where they have the best Bloody Mary bar anywhere close to the Starboard and Dewey, and then you get on the train again and go to the Armory stop, and you walk into the stadium, and you don't have to drive, and you have the best day of your life because your team is one of the best in the NFL, and uh, it's just glorious. Sounds like a that movie, Kevin. Yeah, it's, it's I amazing, I watch dude. that movie. I'm telling you guys, boy, it was fun in the early 90s being single and doing buddies and then doing the games. Oh, my God. 
You just described, by the way, the complete opposite of the FedEx field experience, which you know, I'm not trying to kick a stadium while it's down. I guess I am. Yeah, but feel free. You drive there in a lot of traffic. It's a terrible drive, and it's terrible traffic, and then parking is not much more fun. Then you go into the stadium, and the team is bad, and the experience is awful. But at least you get to get back in your car and get more traffic to leave. <laughs> That's the opposite of what he just talked about. And he even worked in a little, then you get to go have a Bloody Mary or something, which I'm not a Bloody Mary guy. I'll take the bacon out and eat that. But I could have a cocktail. And right now, you can't do that unless you bring it, and it's you're sitting in the parking lot. There is nowhere to eat or drink or be merry or have fun. Nowhere, anywhere near FedEx Field. Not walkable. Nope. You can't. Do that. There are two stadiums in the league like that. This would be the complete opposite. And that's not even to, to pull on the heartstrings and to talk about the past and, and what RFK once meant. Because that what you're talking about wasn't there then. It wasn't as if there was a, a slew of restaurants and eateries and places to go and things to do. It was all business when, once you got there. I mean, you, there was some tailgating, of course, but it, everything was sort of, as Kevin talked about, a stop or two away or, or a pit stop that you would make on, on, on the route. Here's my question, and we talked about this a little bit with Eric that we should get into early next hour here on Grant and Danny. This idea that look what Nats Park did for this neighborhood in the Navy Yard. A new commander stadium would do the same thing for the area over by RFK. Because there are plenty of studies, I would say, now that show that NFL stadiums and baseball stadiums are not really the same in what they bring to a community. Yes? Correct. If it has a roof, retractable or otherwise, and I'm almost willing to bet everything that it would. No one's building stadiums without roofs anymore. Why is it different than a ballpark? I mean, you could have events it's, every single night if you wanted to. Yeah, the amount built in is way more with a baseball stadium because just because of the number of home What's dates. 81 versus 10. Yeah, then you add in your, you know, your 20 concerts, your, you know, the Nats do this Winterfest thing for a fortnight, but you could but you do that. But you do any of that. But you can do that if you have the roof. Have all your concerts, have high school and and. Yep. And uh, I'm talking Maryland, D.C., mm-hmm. whoever have games there, have tournaments there. You could you could put a court in there if you wanted to. Yeah, for that a- old city championship, public school versus the Catholic exactly. League, all that kind of stuff. You, you could, could do, do anything yep. you wanted, and you could have college games there, just like they do at FedEx Field. You could have concerts. You could have comedians come through. You, you could do whatever you wanted to do. There could be 327 events there per year if, if they wanted, wanted there to be. That's the part I someone smarter than me needs to explain because it's it's always just a a kind of slam the gavel down. Baseball and football are different. Well, there was a time when I understand that a football stadium was used eight to twenty times a year. That time to me has passed if we're putting a roof on these things. Eight hundred six three six one zero six seven is the number on Grant and Danny right here on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 